Welcome back to the One God Report podcast. This episode continues the discussion we began in the previous podcast, Jesus Did Not Create Planet Earth, a commentary on John chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. If you haven't listened to the first part yet, I would recommend it, where we discuss in depth what the word world means in John chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 10. The word world cosmos does not mean planet earth. So now we'll jump right back in to John chapter 1 verse 10. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, yet the world knew him not. I'm first going to say what John 1.10 is not saying. For deity of Christ's proponents, this verse is interpreted, like John 1.3, as if Jesus was both on earth and that he created earth. But that understanding makes very simple yet fatal errors of interpretation. Let's look closer at the verse, which breaks down into three parts. The first part of John 1.10, you could call it John 1.10a, reads, He was in the world. I will say it again. World. Cosmos does not mean planet Earth. Cosmos means humanity, human civilization. And as we will see in just a minute, sometimes specifically a segment of humanity, the covenant people of God, Israel. The first mistake the deity of Christ interpretation makes, even though they know better, is that they slip back into thinking that world means the physical planet Earth. But interpreting cosmos as planet Earth totally misconstrues the meaning of the verse. Secondly, deity of Christ's proponents do not notice or unconsciously switch the order of the first and second phrases of the verse. Since, like Greek philosophers, and in complete contradiction to the Holy Scriptures, deity of Christ believers think that somehow the Logos, a pre-incarnate God the Son was involved in the Genesis creation, they think this verse says that Jesus made planet Earth and then came to planet Earth. But the order of the events in this verse is exactly the opposite of what deity of Christ's proponents think. Notice the order of the first two phrases in the verse. John 1.10 starts out by saying, He was in the cosmos. That is, first, Jesus, the Word and Light, was in the cosmos. And then, the second phrase in John 1.10, the cosmos came to be through him. So note, the cosmos didn't first come to be through him, and then he was in the cosmos. No, he was in the world, and then the world came to be through him. There's a big difference. I suppose one could claim that there isn't a strict chronological order between the two phrases. But nonetheless, this would be a very strange way to say that Jesus created planet Earth and then came to planet Earth. The third way in which deity of Christ's proponents mistreat this verse is by translating and interpreting the middle clause as if Jesus, the light, was the active creator of the physical planet. Does John 1.10 declare that Jesus created planet Earth? No. 
Let's look at the verb came to be. The phrase, the cosmos came to be through him, is often translated as was made or even was created in a few translations. But this word, this Greek word egeneto from ginomai, is not the Greek verb for create or make. As we have seen in our discussion in John 1.3, the biblical words for create and make do not appear anywhere in John chapter 1. Nowhere. John 1.10 has absolutely nothing to do with the creation of planet Earth. As we discussed with John 1.3, the Greek verb under consideration here, translated in many English versions as was made, is this word egeneto, genomai. The word has a wide range of meanings and is translated some five different ways in John chapter 1. The word does not mean to create out of nothing. In general, it means to become and refers to something that happened or became historical fact, something that was or came to be. The word is translated as was in John 1.6, become in John 1.12, came in John 1.17, and happened in John 1.28. It's a combination of translation bias and misunderstanding of word meanings that makes John 1.10 sound like the logos or the light, that is Jesus, was somehow involved in the creation of the physical world. It's a real shame that Deity of Christ believers interpret John 1.10 in this way. Perhaps we should have pointed out in our earlier discussion of cosmos, not only does the word cosmos not mean planet Earth, but the word cosmos is not anywhere in the Greek translation of Genesis chapter 1. The Greek version of the Old Testament does not say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the cosmos. Actually, the word cosmos occurs only one time in the Greek translation of the entire book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. And cosmos is not the word there for earth. Rather, it is the word for all the host of the heaven and earth, all their order, glory, and ornamentation, which includes humanity. John 1 is not describing the Genesis creation of the heavens and planet Earth. John 1 has no words for create, or earth, or heavens, or waters, dry land, stars, plants, or animals. John 1 is about the new beginning for humanity in the man, Jesus Christ. My next comments we could call, ignore, ignore, ignore. Ignoring the word through. Deity of Christ interpreters read verses like John 1.10, John 1.3, Colossians 1.16, and Hebrews 1.2, and they think they see Jesus as the active creator of the heavens and earth, shoving Jesus back into Genesis chapter 1. But in each case, they ignore a very important word. They ignore the word through. In every case in the New Testament where the man, Jesus Christ, is involved in the coming to be or making of something, 
as in John 1.3, or here in John 1.10. The coming to be, or making, is always in the context of a new creation being made through Jesus Christ. Here in John 1.10, the cosmos came to be through the light, Jesus Christ. The text does not say the light made the cosmos, much less the light created the cosmos. Jesus Christ is not the source of the cosmos coming to be, but is the channel through whom it came to be. So what does John 1.10 mean? In short, I believe the author of the gospel is describing the coming to be of a new humanity, a new people of God that came to be through Jesus of Nazareth. I think we can see this because the author explains in verses 11 to 13 what he means in verse 10. In verse 11, the author expands on the first and the third clauses of verse 10. The first clause of verse 10 says, he was in the cosmos. And then you go to verse 11, and the parallel is, he came to his own. So cosmos is parallel to his own. And then John 1.10c, or the third phrase in John 1.10, which is, the cosmos knew him not, is parallel to the second phrase in John 1.11. His own people received him not. So the author clarifies for us what he means by cosmos. The cosmos that Jesus the light was in and who knew him not was his own. This is a clear reference to his own people, as many translations interpret, since it is the people who can know and receive. Many commentators see a reference, and I think rightly so, to the Jewish people here. Jesus is a Jew who was born and lived only in the land of Israel among Jews. The Messiah came to his own people, not to Gentiles in Ephesus or Rome or Alexandria. I suggest that his own can be even more narrowly defined and that his own that Jesus came to and was rejected by were Judeans, especially the Jewish leadership centered in Jerusalem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the descendant of David of the tribe of Judah. Judea is simply the Greek way of saying Judah. As God's anointed Messiah of the line of David, Jesus has the right to rule from the city of Jerusalem, where the Davidic dynastic capital was divinely established. The Gospel of John focuses on the ministry of Jesus in Judea. For example, John's Gospel is the only Gospel to describe the miracles of Jesus done in Jerusalem. Yet, there is a very distinct contrast in this Gospel between the rejection of Jesus in Judea compared to how he was received in other geographical areas. Jesus was received warmly in Samaria, John 4, 39-42. In Galilee, 
Israelites wanted to make Jesus king. John 6, 14 and 15, compare 4:45. Jews across the Jordan believed in Jesus. John 10, 40 to 42. On the other hand, the threats to kill Jesus are always in Judea, and in the end, Jesus was killed in Judea. John chapter 7, verse 1 sums up the situation well. Between the festivals of Passover and Tabernacles, that is, the summer before Jesus was put to death, John 7, 1 says, Jesus walked about in Galilee. He did not go about in Judea because the Judeans wanted to kill him. In John 4, verses 43 and 45, we can see clearly that the author of this gospel regards the people and the land of Judea to be Jesus' own people and land. After Jesus had left Judea and passed through Samaria, the author records, quote, After two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the festival. That's John 4, 43 and 45. To this author, using the same word as he used in 111, his own, in this case, his own country, for Jesus was Judea. So yes, while the world, the cosmos, that Jesus came into may be generally considered to be the Jewish world, his own people that did not receive him is specifically Judeans, Jews with the authority over the city and temple in Jerusalem. Understood this way, one theme of the Gospel of John is a description of how and why Judeans did not receive their own anointed Davidic king. Understood this way, the Gospel of John can be considered to be addressing an internal Jewish controversy. The author may be writing to diaspora Jews who knew Greek and explaining why the Messiah was rejected in Jerusalem and Judea, his own city, his own land, his own people. Now let's look at the middle phrase in John 1.10. And the cosmos came to be through him. As the author further explained in verse 11, the first and third clauses of verse 10, he also went on to further develop the middle clause of verse 10 in verses 12 and 13. The middle clause of verse 10, John 1.10b reads, And the cosmos came to be through him. This phrase is amplified in verses 12 and 13. He explains what he means. He says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In John 1, 12 to 13, the author is quick to backtrack a bit on his statements that the cosmos knew him not and that his own received him not. 
he quickly adds that there were some who received him and believed on his name, and that these people could become the children of God, born of God, part of God's family. This is the cosmos that came to be through Jesus, the new community of God's children, as with Adam, one man, through whom came all the world, all human society, and Noah, through whom all human society came to be again, and the one man, Abraham, through whom came to be the Hebrew world, the Hebrew society. So, through the one man, Jesus the Messiah, the new family of God comes to be. Let's look at the parallel between the phrase made the world in John 1.10 and saved the world later in the gospel. This interpretation of the coming to be of the cosmos, the new people of God, of John 1.10-13, is supported by a comparison with how the author reiterated the same concepts in the body of the gospel, applying them to Jesus, but nuancing the world was made to the world was saved. Just after the discussion of Jesus with Nicodemus about being born from above, we see the similarities of language and ideas of John 1, 9-13, expressed again in John 3, 17-18, where made the world is parallel to saved the world. John 1, 9-10 reads, That was the true light, Jesus, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Now we go to John 3.17. God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So the same ideas are presented here in John 3 as are in the prologue. The light coming into the world is parallel to the Son being sent into the world. Let's recognize that the light of John 1.9 is the human Son of God of John 3.17. The light came into the world and the Son was sent into the world. And the world was made, of John 1.10, is substituted with the world might be saved in John 3.17. The world being made is the world being saved. The same prologue language and parallel meanings are seen in the words of Jesus in John 12, 46 and 47. Jesus said, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. These parallels between John 1, 10 to 12 and the body of the Gospel of John, we just looked at John 3, 17 and 12, 46, are evidences that the world being made of John 1, 10 is the same as the world being saved. Remember, 
world does not mean planet Earth. And as we have mentioned before, all the connections between the prologue and the body of John's gospel are evidences that the prologue is introducing neither a pre-incarnate divine person nor a pre-incarnate divine concept. The prologue is introducing the man Jesus, the Messiah from Nazareth, whose life is summarized in the prologue and then described in the rest of the book. Speaking again of parallels between the prologue and the body of the Gospel of John, we should mention a few more here in verses 10 to 13. John 1.10c, the third phrase in John 1.10 says, Yet the cosmos knew him not. Now the word know occurs 99 times in John's Gospel. It's a very important idea. Look at John the Baptizer's testimony about Jesus. The Baptizer said in 126, Among you stands one whom you do not know. The world knew him not. It's referring to Jesus the Messiah. John 8.19, Jesus answered his opponents and said, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. John 17.3 says, This is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So to know or not to know in John 1.10 refers to knowing or not knowing Jesus Christ from Nazareth. John 1.12 says, But to all those who received him, who believe in his name. Let's look at the parallels in the body of the gospel to all who believed in his name. John 2.23 Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. John 3.18 Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. John 20.31 But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Belief in his name is applied to the historical human being, Jesus the Messiah from Nazareth. And how about the phrase, children of God? The last parallel reference from John chapter 1, verse 12 that I will mention is an interesting one because the repetition of the phrase children of God comes in the author's response to the unknowing prophetical utterance from the mouth of the antagonistic high priest in Jerusalem. John 1.12 says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Then, in John 11.50-52, we find the high priest saying it would be better for one man to die rather than have the whole nation perish. The author adds, He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, 
he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. These are the only two occurrences of the phrase children of God in the Gospel of John. Now, based on Old Testament scriptures, the gathering together of the dispersed Israelites was and still is for the Jewish people part of the job description of the Messiah. Again, we see the Jewish context of this gospel. The author saw Israel's regathering connected with the death of Jesus. And as in the Old Testament scriptures, like Genesis 12, 3, Psalm 22, 27, and Psalm 117, the author may also see in the death of Jesus a fulfillment of the Israelite expectation of Gentile participation in the community known as the children of God. And verse 13 describes the different kind of birth required for those who are the children of God. Being connected to a certain ethnicity is not enough to become a child of God. The will of God is involved. This different kind of birth, being born of God, introduced here in the prologue, is developed in John chapter 3 when Jesus spoke with Nicodemus. So let's review. I'll include a few points of review from our comments on John 1.9. First, we must understand the figures of speech, idioms, and metaphors in the Gospel of John if we are to understand the Gospel correctly. It was those in opposition to Jesus that especially misunderstood his figures of speech. John 10.6 This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Next, the Greek word cosmos, although translated as world in John 1, 9, and 10, does not mean planet Earth. Rather, cosmos means human society or a segment of human society, specifically Jewish society. Also, to go or come into the cosmos, into the world, does not mean a person came from some heavenly or planetary realm into planet Earth. To come into the world means to be a part of human society, to exist and be alive at a certain time and place. Everyone comes into the world. As fulfillment of God's promise, the prophet of Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 comes into the world, and the Messiah comes into the world. The man, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, is the light who came into the world. This is made clear by the author, both in the prologue, when he states that the baptizer was not the light, and in the body of the gospel. Jesus said, I have come as light into the world. Next, John 1.10 does not say that Jesus created planet Earth. Such an interpretation is really an embarrassment to biblical exegesis. Cosmos does not mean planet Earth. We can understand better what the author meant by cosmos, world, in John 
by seeing the parallels in the next verse. Cosmos, of verse 10, is parallel to his own in John 1.11, meaning the Jewish people, and perhaps even specifically, Jews who lived in the geographical region of Judea. The cosmos that knew him not, in verse 10, is parallel to his own people who received him not, in verse 11. Also, the word create is nowhere in John's prologue. The cosmos was not created by Jesus, but rather it came to be through the man, Jesus. The cosmos that came to be through Jesus is the new people of God, specifically those who are born of God and are the children of God, as described in verses 12 and 13. Next, the deity of Christ interpretation of John 1, and specifically of John 1.3 and 1.10, which claims that Jesus was the creator of all things and of the earth, is a direct contradiction to many other scriptures that state clearly that the creator of all things is the one God, Yahweh, the God of Israel. This contradiction is obvious. To claim that there was more than one God person involved in the Genesis creation of the heavens and the earth is a direct contradiction to clear scriptures like these. Isaiah 45, 18. For thus says Yahweh, who created the heavens, he is God, who formed the earth and made it, he established it, he did not create it a chaos, he formed it to be inhabited, quote, I am Yahweh, and there is no other. Also another example, Revelation 4.11. The 24 elders bow down and say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. These verses, and many others like them, cannot be any clearer that there was one God, one God person, who created the heavens and the earth. Note the singular pronouns and verbs in those verses. You can see the show notes for a whole list of other scriptures that give a similar idea that the one God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the only one who created the deity of Christ interpretation of John 1 tries to avoid or ignore that their interpretation is an obvious and direct contradiction with so much of the clear teaching of Scripture. But they have to engage in strange philosophical speculations about how Yahweh can be more than one. And by changing the meanings of the pronouns so that I means we and he means they. The interpretation offered here is in complete agreement with other biblical revelation that the one God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, the Father, is the Creator, and that He, He alone, not they, He alone created the heavens and the earth and brought about human civilization through one individual human being. First Adam, 
then again Noah, and then also Abraham. Likewise, he, Yahweh, he brings about the community known as the children of God, which comes to be in the next age through the one man, Jesus the Messiah. Read 1 Corinthians 8.6 in this light. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus the Messiah, through whom are all, and through whom we exist. Finally, we can refer to the body of the Gospel of John to understand what the author means in the prologue. The prologue uses much metaphorical language, and the exact same metaphors, themes, and language the author introduces in the prologue, he reiterates again in the Gospel, associating the language and themes of the prologue to the man Jesus and his ministry. These parallels are evidence that John's prologue is not a commentary on the Genesis creation, but rather is an introduction to the new beginning in the man Jesus of Nazareth. It does the author of the Gospel of John great injustice to claim that his prologue is not an introduction to the man Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. This is Bill Schlegel for the One God Report podcast. A hat tip and thank you to Rivers of Eden. Some of his observations about the Greek text and literary structure of John's prologue have been incorporated into the current podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate it and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That will help others to find us and share the podcast on social media. For constructive discussion, you are welcome to join the One God Report Facebook group. Yishma'u anavim ve'yishmahu. The humble will hear and rejoice.